All right, well, it's good to see you here this morning. If you are newer with us, either in person or online, my name is Brian. I have the privilege of looking at God's word here today, which I would invite you to turn to in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12, or if you got a bookmark when you came in, you don't even have to because your cheat sheet's all right there. That's gonna be our passage both for today and really as we step into this new series, which um, kind of something that reminded me of and Forgive me for those of you who are last week are going to rehear this at the risk of sharing it uh, with many of you again. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved playing with those old Western style revolver cap guns. And because I never wanted to waste my caps, I've got like a hoarding problem, which is a whole other issue. It'll probably come out in this process. Uh, I would, instead of shoot the caps, I would take the gun and I just got to where I just really enjoyed just like taking it out of the holster, like spinning it, putting it back, and just kind of learning to do that. So much so that fast forward to just three weeks ago at our Christmas services, uh, someone made the mistake of allowing me to handle fire and light some of the candles for our Christmas service when I was handed one of these, which, as you'll notice, has a very similar mechanism to it to where I cannot help but just subconsciously within my physiology because of what happened in my childhood, grab one of these and just start doing, you know, this number here. Uh, and so it got me to thinking that if something as innocuous and non-consequential as playing with a toy gun as a kid has me just automatically, without much even conscious effort on my own part, just naturally grabbing anything with like, that represents something that can be spun on my finger and automatically doing that, I had this thought about what we're getting ready to step into here in this series, that how much more then the things that have happened in our childhood or our lifetime, the experiences, the events of actual consequence, how much more do those shape our subconscious and our reactions and our choices and the things that we do uh, that actually do matter? And really, that's, that's nothing new with a thought of mine or, or really anything contemporarily. It really comes from the centuries and the millennia of what has been laid out for us in this reality of that in Scripture. The book of Proverbs says it this way. It says, as, a, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And in the Bible, they would have understood the heart to not just be maybe what we kind of go hallmark on it, like our emotions, but they understood the heart to be this holistic epicenter of our mind, our psyche, uh, just like everything we operate out of that we might call in contemporary language our, our mental health, our well-being, what kind of like whatever's inside is coming out holistically. And so because that's true, because the scriptures say, what is on the inside will be reflected outward. Proverbs 4.23 speaks straight to the goal in light of this reality, which says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, that's our series. Above all else, your number one priority because who you are on the inside is gonna flow out on the outside for better or for worse because a life just like a mirror or water reflects the face, a life reflects what's in our being, our heart, our very self. And so here's the truth that we all know. There are a lot of things that have gone into and shaped our hearts and really then the outpouring of our lives. You know, the good, the bad, 
and the ugly, to borrow a line from the movie title of the old Clint Eastwood film. Uh, And so for the next six weeks, we're going to walk through the realities of the good, the bad, and the ugly in, we could say, two maps. Uh, One map we're going to look at, we'll call our life experience map, that we're going to discover is often misaligned with the heart of God. And then our other map, the one we're going to bring into our life story, we're going to call the God-edited map, which has the, the journey, the trajectory, the direction to align our heart with God. And so the life experience map, it reveals our journey up until this point, and our, um, our, life, excuse me, our God-edited map then shows us how God wants to bring that into the future, Okay. And so, important thing as we do this right out of the gate, that our, you could say, this might be a thing that's, okay, this could make my life maybe a little easier if I was able to understand some of these things, but that is not the primary goal, that there are many more important reasons beyond just making our life a little easier. You might just say, that's just bonus. Moreover, this process, what it's going to do is it brings you into emotional and mental and spiritual and relational maturity as you are, you're going to find you are unhindered. You are freed up to live out the most important things that Jesus said are important on the planet. He said the most important commands are to love God with your heart, soul, strength, mind, everything you've got, and then out of that, to be able to love others as yourself. And so a heart that is aligned by him, with him, and then for him, and thus within yourself, you can then effectively love others in your life as yourself, because yourself is aligned with God himself. And so today we're going to step into really, you could say, as an overview experience of what it is that we're going to look at, both the life experience and the God-edited map. It's like the 30,000-foot view as we get a little bit more zeroed in in the weeks ahead. So don't feel like you have to understand or get everything we're talking about today. Again, it's just like the bird's-eye view to be able to set the pace for where we're headed in the days ahead. Uh, and really, I mean, as, even as I say that, that's why it's important that you want to be here every weekend to be able to, to catch and to capture this journey that we're on. Because honestly, we're always on a journey. Like We don't just show up you know, a few weekends here and there to sing some songs and to preach some sermons. Like We're going somewhere. We are doing this each week, month, year, even like decades. Like, we're on a long haul journey together as a church to live out this mission of becoming more devoted followers of Jesus. So we're always heading that direction. Okay, And so it starts with our life experience map that starts with what we could call our life shapers. Our life shapers are the multidimensional influences that mold and shape our hearts and our lives. And there are many things in our hearts and lives, you know, as we said, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, much more than just, you know, flipping a lighter stick because you played with toy guns as a kid. And so naturally, as we think about these inputs into our hearts and our lives, we probably tend to think about those big moments, those big experiences, whether good, bad, or ugly. You know, maybe a good big experience was for you, like maybe as a kid at a Christian camp or, or maybe at a revival where you encountered God for the first time and really set your trajectory toward him in your life. Maybe the bad, uh, maybe it's you experienced divorce personally or in your family of origin. Uh, or maybe it was a personal financial collapse that has had an impact on you. And then, you know, there's the good, the bad, and then there's just like the downright ugly uh, of like legitimate trauma and abuse that has been a part, perhaps, of your story. 
But there's other things that shape our life beyond just those big moments and those big events and experiences. You know, there's our family. You know, think about our family, the lessons, the patterns, uh, the, the impact that derive all from our family of origin. You know, and then even beyond those experiences with our, our family that we, you know, psychologists call what has nurtured us into what we are, there's also our biology, our nature, you know, your personality. Uh, maybe for you in your nature, you have a physical disability. Or maybe you have a predisposition, perhaps towards depression or anxiety, or maybe within your nature, you're just like a very driven, hard-charging person. And these are some things that shape us. But then even another layer deeper, there's what might seem at first glance like very small and insignificant experiences that without careful evaluation, we can just overlook and completely miss the impact that they have on our hearts and on our lives. Things like repeated criticism, you know, whether at home or at the workplace, or maybe a series of job losses that has gotten inside of your head in an interesting way. Or maybe it's just being, uh, finding yourself on the outside of social and relationship settings, you know, finding yourself excluded, it feels like, maybe as an adult or even way back to when you were a child. You see, there are thousands upon thousands of people and places and events that have just it's been like dumped into our hearts and our lives because, as Proverbs 4.23 says, everything we do flows from those things. Everything that we've had poured in affects all the rest. And so what we experience then, based on these life shapers, particularly when it comes to maybe the bad or the ugly, in the good and the bad, the ugly, is what we might call sore spots. Sore spots are the resulting bruises in our hearts created by negative life shapers. Things like shame and fears and inadequacies and insecurities, maybe a sense of rejection or feeling undervalued and unvalued. I remember uh, in the second grade, uh, our teacher, Mrs. France, was uh, having an, uh, an achievement awards uh, ceremony, if you will, where, where students were getting awards for all kinds of things. And I remember there was one student before the process even started uh, asked, uh, Mrs. France, uh, are there any students who didn't get any awards? To which Mrs. France nodded disappointingly, yes, there is one student who did not receive any awards. Which I knew. Mallory. <laughs> she was the worst. There was no way she was getting any awards that day. And so award after award, multiple awards to some are being presented. I remember this one kid, Frank. He had amazing handwriting. I don't know, for second graders. And, and he had six achievement awards. And, and they're being named. And all of a sudden, I hear, Mallory? Mallory? What? Who is it that's not going to get any awards if Mallory's getting awards? To which I began to realize that there was a very strong chance, as my name had not yet been called, that I might be that one student who did not receive any awards that particular day. And sure enough, all the awards were presented, and there I was. No surprise, kind of see where this story goes. The one non-achieved student in the class. And I remember, like, you know how, like, elementary students, how you go to the restroom, like, as a big group, and, like, girls' line, boys' line. And I remember Glenbrook Elementary School, second grade, just standing outside of that bathroom, just, just bawling my eyes out. Because I remember, I remember every, de there's details I didn't even tell you because, you know, we've got so much time, but I remember every detail about that day because it shaped me and it was a sore spot. 
It is a sore spot. Fast forward to my junior year in high school. Uh, I've been a Christian now two years, and I've been made a student leader in the youth group. We're uh, hosting this retreat, this high school retreat, uh, actually at our home. And so my parents have like these kids and sleeping bags spread all over the place. And I'm a student leader, and so I have like a small group I'm responsible for, and this team, I have all these responsibilities. And so here I'm a student leader as a junior in high school, and the youth leader at the front of it's like we had my parents had like this loft that we all were like kind of gathered in as the youth leader was giving his lesson on his little flip chart and all this deal. And he was talking about the Israelites of the Old Testament. And he was talking about how these Israelites, how, you know, they fought these wars and that sometimes they won and sometimes they lost. And a lot had to do depending on whether or not the Israelites had obeyed God and if these Israelites maybe disobeyed God and on and on he went until finally I just raised my hand. And and some of you know this story. Uh, And I just said, I'm sorry, can you help me understand something? How is it that these like, these like lights in the sky that shine down on Israel. Like, how is it that they like obeyed God and disobeyed God? Like, I'm, like, I'm thinking like the northern lights, like lights that shine in the sky. And I'm obviously, you know, super proud moment for me, uh, you know, where I got to feel, you know, this reality of a life-shaping experience, a sore spot. And so for me, as I think about this and a number other of things that have been a part of my life, you know, do I have maybe some, some challenges with feeling, you know, behind, not knowing enough, insecure, inadequate? Yeah, uh, you bet I do. And so we're going to identify these kinds of things in our lives and in our hearts in the weeks ahead. Because what happens next is out of these sore spots, that are shaped by our life, we then start to develop what we could call a faulty logic. A faulty logic is uh, really a faulty foundation where we have misunderstandings and incorrect conclusions about who God is, about who we are, and about others. Because, Proverbs 4.23, everything we do in life flows from our hearts, for better or for worse. And so it's not always good. It could be a very hindered way of life that we're living. And then out of this, we start to develop what we will call our small T truth. Small T truth, uh, maybe I can best explain it this way. Uh, You've all heard the saying, maybe you've even said it, experience is the best teacher, right? Familiar saying, experience is the best teacher, which has a lot of truth in it when you're thinking about maybe acquiring a certain skill, like learning a foreign language or woodworking or, you know, working on cars or something like that. You know, experience in those cases can be a phenomenal teacher. But are all of our experiences always the best in and of themselves teacher? Maybe I could illustrate it this way. Uh, When it comes to, say, keyboarding, I think many of us, when we first got our hands on a keyboard, started out with what we might uh, affectionately refer to as the two-finger chicken peck, you know, where you kind of hunt and stab and jab at these particular things. And maybe to this day, you are still a two-finger typing pecker person. And the reason being, even though you know, you know that like the home keys and the proper way to type is actually the better way you have in your life, let experience be the best teacher, even though it isn't actually the best teacher. 
And so this illustration we'll see will play out in a number of real life implications as we look at how much life we've built on our own experience, our own what we're going to call little t truth that naturally then lead to undesired outcomes, like typing slowly, but much more significant, and ultimately a misaligned heart because it is not aligned with the heart, uh, as we'll discover, of God's capital T, ultimate truth for who he is and what he is in our lives. Jesus illustrates this discrepancy between these two life maps in his Sermon on the Mount uh, this way. He illustrates what we're really getting at here by talking about building our life on either a foundation of sand or a foundation of rock. That when we live lives built on the firm foundation of God's truth, well, the storms of life come, but we're able to stand firm. But If our lives are built on our own, you could say small T truth experiences, our own faulty logic, and these undesired outcomes, we realize that we have the undesired outcome of a house, a life that is built on a foundation of sand, which we know is no foundation at all. And so when the wind and the rain and the storms of life come, our house, Jesus says, our our life comes crashing down with it. And so this Life experience map left unchecked is destined to stay, you could say, stuck on repeat with things in our life crashing, crashing over and over again. So real life, maybe for you, the way this has played out in your real life experience is your map has led you down a street of say, self-condemnation, where you keep getting cul-de-sacked into this depression about who you are and your identity about what you're about. Or maybe there's just like anger that's deep within you that makes it difficult to hold your tongue, maybe at the office or with your spouse or with your kids. Could be a thirst for power, keeps you from being someone who's able to then empower others. Or maybe people-pleasing keeps you from doing what you know is the right thing. Or feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. Uh, This, like, you can't ever do enough or be enough just leaves you just tirelessly pursuing what can't be achieved, and you're left exhausted and, in the end, ineffective. Your hindered heart and life will not bring out the best in you will not bring out the best for you, will not bring uh, the best for God or for others. You won't be able to live out loving God and loving others as yourself well. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three, our our bookmark here, uh, yes, for today, but also for the next six weeks. uh, it's, It's, again, our anchor text. And we would invite you to read it daily, over and over again, like, internalize it, memorize it. You might say, I, I don't memorize real well. You read this every day, you'll memorize it. You'll know it. You'll be able to do what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, that I've stored your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you, that I might live the kind of life that God is laying out for us. And so go ahead and let's read this together. It simply says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race 
marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. And so we'll come back to that here in the weeks ahead. But I just want to look at that first part of that passage here for our time here today. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, and that cloud of witnesses is, so this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that therefore is speaking back to Hebrews chapter 11, where we have this list of those who have gone before us to run this race of a life led by God. And so as this passage is laying out, really with those who have gone before us to, we might say, set the pace, verse one continues. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I remember growing up uh, as a child of the 80s that my mom, uh, she used to do this strange thing that she'd put on her, uh, around her ankle, these, uh, and I'm about to call you out, mom, so I'm apologizing for that in advance. Uh, they were these, she had these like electric blue sandbags that would Velcro around her feet that I now know are called ankle weights. And I guess the idea being, you know, as a mom of three boys, you know, that's probably a workout in and of itself. But she thought, hey, why not get a little extra strength and tone in the legs, you know, with these added ankle weights, uh, which I guess makes sense, I suppose. But you know what wouldn't make sense? What would make sense is that if, say, like today, you and I, we're going to sign up for like a race together and we're going to like go do like the, like the Shoreline Classic or the Chicago Marathon. And we have this goal. like We're going to run our best race. We're going to get our best time ever. And here's our strategy. Let's strap blue sandbag ankle weights with Velcro above our running shoes. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying about our lives. He's saying it's ridiculous that we don't want these things weighing us down. That the writer of Hebrews, he says that when we're trying to run the best possible race that we call life, we need to identify, first we have to identify them so that we can then throw off the, so to speak, ankle weights. Let us throw off, the writer says, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this is interesting to, me, interesting to me. Notice that there's these two things that it is speaking to. Uh, yes, it's speaking to sin. Like this makes sense, like making choices that we're living contrary to God's will and ways as laid out in scripture. Like we wanna get rid of that, like that makes sense. But then there's this second thing, this, this everything. This everything else that hinders, which means then there must be something. There must be some things that may not be sin, per se, but that are still weighing you down, holding you back. And so next week in particular, we're going to step into a process where we really begin to identify and clarify, uh, you could say, the electric blue sandbags Velcroed around our, around our ankles, uh, these ankle weights, so that we can throw them off, both the sin and the everything that entangles and hinders our lives so that we can run the race 
that God has marked out for us. And so as we run that race, as we'll discover in the weeks ahead, we fix our eyes. Where are we going? Hebrews 12, verse 2, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, who is the pioneer, or other translations say the author of, and they will be the perfecter of our faith. As we together, as we shift from a life experience map to a God-edited map, a God-edited map. And so here's how the God-edited map intercepts, you could say, or gets engaged with our life experience map. So it starts with what we call God shapers. And that is our commitment to really surrender the life experience map to God to be able to edit and shape our story moving forward. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't, we're not saying we're gonna erase our story. We're not erasing our experiences as if they did not happen. But we are allowing God to divinely edit our experiences so that we can make sense of them. So rather than our experience alone teaching us, say on a foundation of sand, God, he transcends, he redeems those experiences into an all new edited map where he takes what was here in the previous map, the sore spots, and he turns them into what we can call our source of genius, our genius source. That rather than just experience being our teacher, that's really not the best, a better way of maybe reframing that quote is that an understood and redeemed experience as our source of genius can be our true best teacher. It's really where the very best of us shows up out of the result of a healed sword spot, a healed sore spot to turn it into purpose, to be able to love ourselves, others, and God well. So from there, we start to then build a healthy logic, a healthy life map about who God actually is and who we are in him and how we view others through what we will learn as we'll call God's big T truth. His his truth, his ultimate truth, his, his truth that trumps and transcends our little t experience truth in our lives that we've built up. And then on this foundation of truth, we start to put in all kinds of new practices and commitments and solutions and strategies for how we can live our everyday life for when the wind and the rain and the storms beat against our life. You know, for me, the, the feeling of feeling behind or like I've got to catch up or know more, learn more, those inadequacies and those insecurities that come out of being the only kid to not achieve in the second grade or the only one who doesn't get that the Israel lights are not actual lights that shine in the sky over a country and a host of other life shapers, sore, sore spots and little T truths in my life that I know for me, God's big T truth that well, real time. It comes to being an associate pastor here in this church who's scheduled to be the lead pastor in a number of months that when it comes to having to feel like I got to know it all, have all the answers, I am reminded I am not the Savior. I don't have to have all of my or your questions and quagmires figured out and answered. I know the truth that we already have an answer. We already have a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, when we live in God's edited big T truth, this naturally then leads to a God-edited, God-authored, 
desired outcome kind of life. Desired outcomes in life. And when I say desired outcomes, I'm not talking about easy or perfect or a problem-free life where you're actually controlling circumstances outside yourself, but I'm talking about the outcomes that God gives us regardless of circumstantial outcomes in your life that has something that's bigger than what's happening here on the planet that he is doing on the planet inside of you based on who he is and working inside of you and through you. And so this is where we're headed. This is the journey. And so here we go. We are week one of six where we are saying this is a 100%. You will get out of this experience what you are willing to put into this experience. And so here we are. We're in the middle of January. You know, maybe you blew your uh, New Year's resolution already. No problem. We've got a new one for you where this could be the first day of a whole new life race throwing off the sin and the everythings that hinder and entangle you in your life. And so with that, to ask you the question, are you ready to step into this? I have a series of questions to really measure your readiness to allow God to start to shape your heart and thus your life. And so the way that you're going to be able to reflect on these questions, there is uh, an on-your-own experience that you're going to get every week to help do a deeper dive and apply and process the things we talk about on the weekends throughout the week on your own. And so you can get these by, the easiest way is just to sign up to receive them by email each week, uh, firstdecatur.org slash what's happening, and you'll get one of those delivered to you in your inbox, and we won't send any other stuff, just this for the week, six weeks. Uh, or there are, or I should say and or, there are actually these copies uh, for print. You can just pick up the physical ones in the lobby at the little resource table as well. And so uh, this week, the on-your-own questions to really determine your self-readiness, they're really not questions this week. It's actually more of like a, like a series of commitments, like, a, okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready to step into what God wants to do in your life through this process? And so here are the commitments that come in the form of questions uh, for you to sign off on or to sign up for. Number one, will you make the commitment to stop settling for what is? Will you stop settling for what is? That when it comes to your life's map, will you stop living on this dead-end street of sayings like, well, that's just who I am. Or that's just how it's always going to be. Those are dead-end. When I went through this process, those were like, you don't get to say that. Because as soon as you say that's just who I am and that's just how it's going to be, you are stepping into the reality of there is no future reality because you're unwilling to change or accept that change can come your way. And so maybe you're just stuck living in what you just feel is comfortable. Not because it's actually like comfy and cozy. It's just what's known, you know, whether good, bad, or ugly. You just don't know any different. And so it's comfortable because it's normal. And so are you willing to change? Are you willing to not just settle for what is? Theologian and pastor Leonard Sweet, he says it this way. He says, in the medical world, a clinical definition of death is a body that does not change. Change is life. Stagnation is death. If you don't change, you die. It's that simple. It's that scary. Next commitment. Will you stop relying on information and inspiration and embrace transformation? And we know we need information. Information gives us the what. But if we only have the what, the destination, uh, there's not necessarily the motivation. So we want some inspiration, you know, the want to, the excitement, the, uh, the conviction that, can, you know, encourages you onward. 
But really, what we need is where those two things converge, and that is to transformation, to a commitment to take the what and the want to, bring them together to a decide to, which ultimately really is a surrender to God and his work in your life. And then from there, as you open yourself up to what God wants to do, will you make the commitment, and I'll say almost like, like the risk, the risk to, we'll say, get curious about your heart's story. Hebrews chapter 12, it goes on to say this. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. You see, this is gonna take a like a decide-to-level discipline, a, a grit, if you will, to really get curious, to, to delve into you know, your life shapers, your sore spots, your faulty logic, your small t-truth, that honestly, like the more real you get with this, strong chance, a whole lot, as it says in Hebrews 12, 11, not pleasant and even painful this might be. And so as you step in there and you're looking for the resources to help support you, I want to encourage you to pick up a book. Uh, it is the book that this entire series is based on and the process that I walked through a number of years ago myself. It's called Unhindered 30 Days. And what this is, is a six-week, it's almost like a devotional that walks you through the same process in step with what we're doing each week. And so it's six weeks, five days a week, thus do the math, six times five, 30 days of walking through this. Uh, though, with, uh, even as I say, hey, you can get this in the cafe, that would be a lie because they just sold out, which is a good problem to have. They have more. <laughs> they have more. Okay, you can still get them in the cafe or wherever it is that you buy books. I forgot this is on camera. I should be careful about it. <laughs> Publicly dancing. Okay. So as you get disciplined, and I think I said everything I needed to say about that. So yeah, you can get that. That will help you. And as you step into getting disciplined and curious about your own story, uh, the next level of that really is going to be, will you deal with the roots in your heart, the roots and not just the symptoms? You see, the truth is that when we have, you could say, misidentified problems focusing on symptoms, then we're going to continue to just keep coming up with misidentified solutions. You see, if you conclude that it's just the, the external things that are the problem, well, then you'll just keep on giving sideways energy to trying to change and control external circumstances to get what it is that you want. And you might think, like, for example, like, you know, if it comes to maybe your insecurities uh, or, or feeling like you're, you're behind or comparisons or whatever the case may be, that if, if you can just become like the smartest person in the room or, or the best in the room, that that will get you to be able to beat the battle of comparison. Or, or maybe if you think you can get your, your spouse to appreciate you more, that that would resolve the feelings of inadequacy that you feel. But in reality, the solution in either case and in so many other settings has nothing to do with the circumstances or the symptoms, but the roots of who you are and aligning your value with God, the Father, and his identity of you as his child in a united life with him. To which that outcome is only made possible by the last commitment. And that is, will you partner with God? Will you partner with God? Matthew chapter 16, uh, the message paraphrase quotes Jesus this way, saying, anyone who intends to come with me 
Jesus says, has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's, it's, we're going to sing a song here in just a few moments. Which got one of my, I think it might be like my favorite line in any song because I think it sums up so much of this reality. And the line simply says, pray, I will praise you on the mountain, but I will also praise you when that mountain is in my way. It's the beauty of the reality that these mountains, these valleys, that they can all be redeemed, that as we step into what that Hebrews 12 stuff, the unpleasantness sometimes, the discipline of you know, getting through the tough stuff so that we can get to the good stuff, a harvest of righteousness and peace, the writer of Hebrews says. And so Jesus says, you want to go there? Follow me. Jesus says, I'll show you how. That self-help is no help at all, but self-sacrifice It is the way. It is my way to finding yourself, your true self. And so that, that is our opportunity. That is our challenge. I would say most importantly, that is the call of God on our lives. And so in an answer to that last commitment to partner with God, would you pray with me as we step into a partnership with him together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know if we're always thankful for the life experience map that we have lived through in all circumstances. I'm sure we're not. But your word, both here and time and time again, tells us to be thankful in all circumstances, to even like celebrate when we go through tough stuff and trials, because it's through that that we get to experience a perseverance, a unhindering of the hindrances in our lives, because it is you that is making the difference. In our weakness, you are strong. And so Father, we've got plenty of hindrances that we are gonna lay before you in the weeks together as a church. May we, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be trained in the right ways in righteousness as we run this race that you have marked out for us by making sure, not in our strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus the author, the pioneer, and ultimately the perfecter of the gift of faith. By your grace, for the gift of your peace. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.